1: Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now it's game time, Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the easy bake oven
0: like a boss the best lineman on the radio well the only lineman
1: on the radio it's game time game time we're ready. the Gabe Coon show 929 FM ESPN
0: happy Friday out there June 23rd 2023 and welcome in to the Gabe Coon show I am your host Gabe Kuhn on Twitter at G underscore Kuhn 71 former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman. I'm alongside the executive producer of the show. That would be Connor Dunning. Fresh off of watching Asteroid City on Twitter at cdunning92. Connor, how's it going? What's up, man? I'm hanging in there, brother. I'm hanging in there. Getting ready for a busy weekend. I'll explain that at the end of the show, though. Um, we have three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN, and yours truly, NBA draft, hot and heavy off the top. Sorry, I'm going to down it. <laughs> I'll explain in a second. But, uh... It is always fun to see the raw emotion, the stories that, that really come out of the NBA draft, although the TV product was miserable. We'll talk about the Grizzlies draft uh, and what Zach Kleiman had to say after. They they draft G.G. Jackson and Tarek Vibarovic. Draft and stash guy feels like a waste of a pick. Doubt he ever makes it over here, but they get him at 56. We'll We'll, we'll get through all of that, as well as, uh, you know, Zach Kleiman, when he was talking after the draft, a lot of it, you know, was about Gigi Jackson and their plan and Marcus Smart, although he said he couldn't speak on it because it wasn't finalized. Um, But he also spoke on Ja. Very candidly, I thought, too. Very candidly. Very open, very honest. Um, It's really the the first time I've heard, we've heard, him speak up on it. So we'll get to that. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins will join. 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, Keith Smith on some Marcus Smart. Some Marcus Smart. Uh, reaction. He, he just got done with Celtics blog, but he's been working with Celtics blog for a long time. But of course, spot track front office show, longtime Celtics fan, watches Celtics very closely. Uh, still does some reporting for them. Big Marcus Smart fan. We'll ask him what we should think about the, uh, about Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies as well as get some of his NBA draft reaction. Then we'll hop into the blitz. Chandler Lawson has a new home. So that's fun in West Virginia with the Bob Huggins news, mass exodus. Could the Tigers get involved with a couple of guys? That have gotten into the transfer portal. We will uh we will answer that question then. And then finally, at some point during the show, probably in the second hour, uh, right there after Jeff, I'll tell you which tiger in the NFL you should expect to be featured a lot this coming season. That's the tease. That's the tease right there. Now, I have to I have to say I enjoy the NBA, Connor. I do. I love the offseason. I love all the drama that comes with it. Like I enjoy it. I enjoy the hell out of it. But, especially last night, but I think overall the NBA Draft TV product is incredibly unserious. Last night was so bad. Not only do we have, like, the spoiled picks with Shams, and I I do want to give credit to Woj. Woj, you know, he's the Grizzlies guy in a lot of ways, but Woj is very much out of the game of spoiling picks at this point. He said he was not going to do it. Shams still just ran with it, spoiled every single pick. So you have that. Then you have limited analysis. Like I, Jay Billis, I like J.J Reddick, I like. Andrea Carter t- called uh, JJ. Reddick a, a average shooter last night on the on the broadcast. You could tell J.J Reddick couldn't get over that. Um, they have awful comps. Like the comps are always just way too nice and ridiculous. And it's almost like, I don't know if you got to see it. Obviously you were watching a movie for most of the second round. Uh, late first round. Yeah, the movie round. did start to 940. I saw most of but the, the big picks. It's almost like the analysts are told that you can never truly go fully negative yeah. on analysis. Yeah, like if they list a the negative, there's always a there's always a qualifier to soften that negative. Like they, he's a competitor, but he is a, he's a hell of a competitor. His talent is through the roof. Like they always there's always a positive spin on every single pick. Whereas like the NFL draft, which I think is a great TV product, and I don't think the NBA can really I don't think you can compete with the NFL draft. It's been unbelievable. But Mel Kuyper and you know Lewis Riddick, they will trash picks. They will go after, say, this is a this is a reach. This is ridiculous. They did reach. it this year. But the NBA draft, like they don't do that. Everything is like, oh, this is fine. This this makes sense. And then, like, this, I, I know that the, the TV part of this, like, they can't do anything about it, although I think it would be a pretty simple fix. You can't tell who's picking who. Like, you, you, we, have, we have the Grizzlies hat on the guy at 25, and Dude, it's on Marcus Sasser.
2: I got so many texts last night from people. I saw the
0: Pistons. It, I said it on the show
2: yesterday that people were going to oh. be confused. I got so many texts from people last night that were like, wait a second, the Grizzlies made the pick at 25? I was like, it's being traded. I was like, that's not their pick anymore. We can,
0: it's because of the league year and there's technicalities, but, like, can't we just be real? I mean, we're talk, I know they're proposed trades, and you just have to wait till they go through, but, like, ultimately, you know where they're going. Explain on the back end if they're not going to that place and the trade doesn't go through. You know what I mean? I, it's just, it's goofy. And then, like, I, hearing Adam Silver and Mark Tatum announce proposed trades when it's like moved through three different or four different hands in the, the last two days it is mind numbing I, I you just have no idea what's happening it, but here's the point like i think ultimately it's hard for it to be a good tv product because it's a convoluted process and it's just, it annoys the hell out of me it really does i think on, sitting there through the back half of the second round i think honestly the sham spoilers was better than watching the product itself and I mean that
2: it's to your point when you watch it it just feels like a very orchestrated by the numbers we're not going to be negative we're going to have these comps we're going to get people hype about their picks rather than just telling people how it is I would rather you tell me the best case and worst case scenario with the player and like what they could be rather than telling me that some white guy's comp to a white player. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. It's every white yes. guy they're like, let's find a white guy yeah. for to comp him to. <laughs> and that's why JJ's like, every can time. we stop using me every single time? He <laughs> yes. and I, And it's that sometimes with the NBA draft too, they try to give people avenues for exposure that aren't ready for it. And it happens over and over and over again. You've got to put people up there that know what they're talking about, that have talked about these players before, that know these players. The lack of information that it feels like the people that are trying to make analysis have is – it's disappointing. Just pull up a draft guide. Read something. Watch highlights of these guys before you have to talk about them. It truly feels like it's all scripted, and like they're just trying to do these human interest stories. They're trying to get any emotion they can out of anything, but they're not talking about how the teams are going to use them or – what the team's outlook is, or if there's a, if this is a move that can move to another move, it's just the things that I think. Jay Billis
0: tries. I'll he tries, Jay but then
2: they're like, "But well, let's give but you the uh, story." And but there's like, also other
0: voices up there that are, that are sort of toning down his. Yeah, and that's that's a frustrating feeling. I like honestly, woes is fine on it. Like woes, Jay Billis or the the positives. Monica McNutt's post uh, stage walk interviews are okay. But the rest of the process, it's just like why do I need to watch this on TV? I'll it's too it's way too long. It's way too it, it, long. Dude. It was midnight before it Why? Ended. Okay.
2: Why how is it possible that I was walking into a movie at nine forty <laughs> and the first round wasn't over? <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane. It's they insane. did they were on pick twenty three when I was walking into the movie at nine forty. Do you know how nuts that is? That's wild. That's way too long. It's way too long. Why are we taking all this time to make it, – it's just they've got they've got to cut the fat of that draft. It's a, It was terrible. It was a terrible TV product. It wasn't fun to watch. A lot of the things that they were saying was ridiculous. The comps to the players were ridiculous. The the comment about J.J. Redick was, was oh my God. just out of left field. It was like, what are we
0: even talking <laughs> and about I, I, here? I think uh, outside of that, Andrea was okay. She was was fine, but it's weird because like her being up there, she's usually she's not. I mean, she's not one of their head NBA analysts. Why is she up there for the draft? I I just found that strange in itself. But the whole process is what it is. I, I just I I do not like the TV product, and I think a lot of people are in lockstep with me. Yeah. So there is that. Now, you know the process and like everybody getting their name called and the emotions. That's always fun as hell. That's fun as hell. Well, I hate when
2: they do this thing though, where like it kind of happened to Grady last night a little bit, where he fell like kinda, and they were making it like a big deal, and they kept cutting to him and being like, he's under the he's falling, it's and 13. it's like he's still going in the in the high lottery. What are we doing? Yeah, it's and just I- it's. They, I the, like the, the, the manufactured storylines that they create is, I think, what bothers me. It's just, yeah. just talk about the players, talk about their fit, talk and about I, their careers. I, they do this I don't want to the... hear this manufactured story about these guys.
0: What I also don't like, too, is like the NFL draft and the NBA draft, they they tend to do the trauma Olympics. Yes. Where they just constantly dig up everybody's worst moments and everything else. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but it is what it is. Like, they... They're trying to tell their story, and they think that that sells. But I think the NBA draft just misses the mark. It really does. As a TV product, as a TV product. Now, um, there is some interesting stories out of last night. Troy Thompson, Senior, Amen, and Asar's dad. You are special. You are special. The Thompson brothers go back to back at number four and number five. Amen goes to the Rockets, and Asar goes to the Pistons. Um, they're the first brothers to be drafted in the top five of the same draft since the 1976 ABA NBA merger. And they also joined Lonzo and LaMelo Ball as the only brothers to go in the top five in a draft in the modern era. Troy Thompson Sr., you, like, you know how they do? We do winners of like, okay, did you like their draft? Did you not like their draft? Troy Thompson Sr., that family, they are the big winners from last night. Two kids in the top five, twins. That is insanity, and both of them are talented. I really do enjoy Asar going to the Pistons. That could be a scary team here in a few years with all that young talent. I love what they have, and they also added Marcus Sasser at number 25, which was obviously the Grizzlies pick that was traded to them by the Celtics. But you just go look up and down that particular roster. I mean, you're talking about Cade Cunningham, Asar, Jaden Ivey, uh, the bigs they have, Jalen uh, Duran, yeah. Marvin Bagley, James Wiseman, Marcus Sasser they add to it. Like I, They have a young core that I really like, and they have Alec Burks and Boyak Bogdanovich still. Well, they got they got Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay. They have not only do no, they Sadi- have – No, Sadiq's gone, isn't he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's gone. got traded
2: Not only do they have flexibility, but they have assets. So they're going to be put in a position to where, you know, that's a lot of potential guys that we just said, a lot of prospects – I think a majority of those are going to hit because they're very good players, and they've already kind of shown it. A few of them have. Jalen Duran, Kate Cunningham, Jade Nivey. But let's say that James Wiseman never turns into what we think he could be. Let's say that, you know, Asar, for some reason, can't turn it. They have they, these pieces. Yes. They can move, and they have they have cap space. So they're a really exciting team, potential growing team. I, I, I You know, I'm on Detroit Pistons Island for sure.
0: They have. A lot of young, very intriguing pieces that they can move here in the next couple of years if it doesn't work out. But like they are just they they are deep with the the young talent, and they were a thirty one team last year. Like you like what they could potentially build into. Or no, they, were they, 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 were, they were they were terrible. They were terrible. They were terrible 17, last with, year because Cade was hurt. Yeah, but they 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 can turn it into a pretty solid team here in a couple years. I really like what they what they can be. Um, Asar, by the way, I was listening to uh, right here on 92.9 ESPN. We had the uh, we had the NBA draft uh, broadcast going alongside Asar – Uh, joined the crew there and was just sort of talking about uh, what he could be alongside Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. He's a ball handler, um, you know, and he's he's a good passer. Uh, Even at a size, he's 6'7", 215 pounds, very athletic. And, man, I'm impressed with those kids. Amen and Asar. But Asar, he was talking about how the Pistons with Cade and with Jaden as ball handlers as well. He's sort of the third option right now, Asar. He said, hey, "You look at what the Thunder are doing right now. Like he—he's 19 years old, talking about what the Thunder, giving an example of what they could be. The Thunder with uh, uh, Jalen Williams and Josh Giddey and SGA. He was making that. I was very impressed with with sort of his ability to give that example at 19. Usually, you don't have that type of wherewithal, but he—he he had it. He had it. I'm impressed with those two kids.
2: They're both very high IQ players, and I like Asar's fit on the Pistons because he's not going to have to come in and be." they are number one prospect, you know, he's going to have room to grow because they are, they're still pretty young. You know, they're 20 years old. They're they're still pretty young. They have room to grow. He's already a lockdown defender. He's very, very good there. If he can get a consistent shot, he's going to be special. I know that Pistons fans may be a little disappointed that they only got the fifth pick after having the worst season that they've had in 50 years. But at the end of the day, this was a pretty loaded draft. So if you're going to have the fifth pick in a draft, you want it to be this year. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about what the Houston Rockets kind of have going on, too. Both the Pistons and the Rockets have this group of very young, very talented guys. But they have a lot of them, so they could make moves. Veterans might want to go there later to to help this team get over the hump. It's going to be exciting, man. The NBA has a lot of
0: young talent across the league. I'm very excited for the future. The Rockets, obviously getting amen, and then... Cam Whitmore, for whatever reason, woo, I, I think, what a pick, man! But falling to twenty, it was the medicals. They talked about some issues with his knee and a meniscus, and um, you know, I was talking to Parker, Parker Fleming, about this too. Like they talk about Cam Whitmore's interviews going bad, and I think the way Parker explained it to me is he's being punished for being a a a guy who's just not a very outward easy going. He's super soft. He's really soft spoken. Yeah. yeah. And like I don't know if, if that's all that fair, but I mean, he is from a talent perspective, there's a lot of guy. I mean, Jay Bill has had him number 5 on his big board. Like him went more falling down to 20. I mean, and that's what the Rockets need to do. You just need to take shots, right? Yeah. You need to take shots and hopefully Eme Udoka in that seat now can hold those guys accountable going forward and they can rearrange that roster, see how it how it works. Um as far as winners are concerned of the draft,
2: Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: Those two, like, Pistons were fine. I thought uh, the Rockets did a good job. What I do like, even with not, not value picks, the Nets did a good job. Yeah. Noah Clowney from Alabama, really, uh, you know, a forward, sizable, long, good on both ends. Um, Derek Whitehead, who shot 42% from Duke, um, as, as a big wing, I really like that. Um, and then they grab Jalen Wilson at number 51. That's a good value for that 51. Like, all of these guys that I think the Nets got are a relatively high floor. And, I, you know, Dariq Whitehead and Noah Clowney higher ceiling substantially than, than Jalen Wilson. But I think all these guys could be role players immediately for that team. And they're, they're a team that, that just needs to see what they can get out there with a, young, with a sort of young core with Macau and what they can do with Cam Johnson. They're going to have to sign him back. But um, they just need guys that can play ball. And I think they, they hit the nail on the head. Also, the Blazers, they got lucky in a lot of ways with Brandon Miller going to the it's Hornets. It's very awkward, too. though.
2: It's very awkward. What do you mean? Have you, did you see the presser today? Or the or their GM? <sighs> it's a very awkward situation.
0: Yeah. Well, like with Dame and yeah. everything? Yeah. But it's, when has it not been an awkward situation?
2: Well, that's kind of where i mean it. It's a huge win getting Scoot. Huge win for Scoot, you know, going three. They have to figure out what they want to do. You have to. You can't have this. We're gonna keep Dame. It's, if you're either gonna go forward with the future, or you're gonna try to compete with Dame. Yeah. But if Dame's not on board with young guys, what are we doing?
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's strange, and we know that they'd be better served if they moved off Dame right now and got assets in return. But I, I I'm confused as to why they're not making that decision right now. I, I, I my point yesterday, which you sort of poo pooed. You you said it was. Uh, that's not the reason it shouldn't be the reason you don't make a move with Dame but you have this superstar transcendent superstar in a lot of ways in Dame Lillard that puts butts in the seats and like they're just so hesitant to move off of him because of how much he's meant he's probably one of the best trailblazers in the history of the franchise and i guess you know my thought would be hand it off to scoot scoot can put butts in the seats just as well i would imagine once they see him his rookie year. But you're just, when you rebuild, you just have to take the chance of, okay, the fans are going to be turned away and disinterested for a couple of years till we get back up. So that that's an interesting point because
2: yes and no. Like, if your fan base is on board and they see the vision, they see the plan, they will still show up to see Scoop, to see Shaden Sharp, to see Simons, to see these young guys and anything that you may have gotten back from Dame, if they understand what is going on, I think they will still show up.
0: If if they have a vision of what you're building. Right. But right now, with Dame, I get your point. There is no no vision vision
2: right now, though. There is none. Right now, they're like, we don't know what to do. We're not sure what to do right now. And that's why it feels very awkward. I think that they got, potentially, the second best guy in this draft. That's huge. He is going to be in Dame's shadow until that guy leaves Portland. Yeah. Period. He is not going to be able to do what he needs to do and to establish his own culture and his own place in Portland as long as Dame is there. I'm tired of this game with Dame. One day he wants to be there. One day he doesn't. I'm getting to the point to where I think he's going to hurt his legacy more if he stays. (laughs)
0: Yeah. The point has remained the same for me. If he asks out, no one cares. Everyone is on your side on this one. This isn't Kevin Durant leaving for the Warriors right? Like, everyone's on your side. This isn't Kyrie Irving asking for a trade from the Nets after all he put them through. This is truly, really and truly, everyone's on your side if you ask for a trade from the Trailblazers. And the Trailblazers, by all accounts, are going to give you what you want and trade you. Mm -hmm. Likely to where you want to go. They want to do right by you. So Dame has to have some accountability in this whole thing, and it's just frustrating. But also the Blazers on top of Scoot, Chris Murray at 23 because he fell. Very very good. good. And then Ryan Rupert, French guy, I mean, playing in the NBL. 6'7", guard skills, 7'3", wingspan, what you can build him into. I mean, from what I understand, they're going to put him on a a full-contract active roster spot immediately. And that's kind of what we're talking about. All of these
2: guys that we just named are ready to start building their own thing there. Yes, Dame could probably help Scoot. In some capacity. I'm not saying he's bad for for Scoot if he's there. But eventually, though, in Scoot's rookie season, they need to hand him the keys. And they need to say, this is a new era of Portland Trailblazers basketball. We've got all of these young guys. We had a really good draft. Scoot, you can be the leader of this team moving forward. This isn't Dame's team anymore. No. These guys aren't going to be Dame's team. So go ahead and let Scoot do that. Dame, if you leave right now, you're going to help Portland out. You will help them out by what they will get back for you. That's why I'm a little disappointed that they didn't do it last night because it feels like in a loaded draft, last night would have been when they could have tried to get some assets, tried to get some more young guys in that building. But, you know, it's just it's a disappointing situation right now in Portland because I think they're kind of split between eras. They're yep. really excited for these young guys, but you still have this dame
0: it, problem. It's going to become a problem soon, man. Hey, what do you mean going to be? It's a problem. It really is a problem. It's, just, it's awkward. They're not competing for anything. Even with Dame in the fold. Like, it's just, there, there comes a time where it's just a frustrating albatross of a contract and a talent that's not going to actually get you to where you want to go. So let him go somewhere else where he can help get someone into championship contention. But I, it's... Just taking these
2: shots as about much as, young guys, as, it's, as, just, as, it's not going to help the situation.
0: As much as I want to hold the, the Trailblazers front office and franchise accountable which they should be held accountable to a certain extent. This is this is, this is is Dame, too. Be a superstar. Be a superstar. Ask out. Let them know your intentions, and they will facilitate that for you. But they're not going to – they don't want to just offload you because they love you, right? They're, they're too attached at this point. And we always warn against getting too attached because sometimes you have to move on and move into the future, and the, and the Trailblazers don't want to do that. Now, um, last couple of things um, from last night. Jaime Jaquez, you like number 18 to the Heat? Culture pick, culture Culture pick, pick, Heat culture. I mean, he fits. He fits. Sort of jumbo wing there, can shoot, can knock down some shots. Really, what I've noticed about his game that I love the most is one, he's experienced, and two, footwork, 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 footwork. Best footwork in the draft, honestly. I mean, unbelievable how crafty he is. I think that fits what the Heat want to do. Right, He could be a really good offensive player. Probably needs to improve a little bit defensively, but, but certainly fits the bill there. They're going to be able to develop him. Uh, Amani Bates, 49th to the Cavs. Don't mind the, the fit there, but he's going to be on a two-way ultimately, right? And Amani Bates, as much as I like the shot creation and his ability to get a shot off, he's got a quick release. He can shoot a little bit from the three-point line. There's so many things that I don't trust about what he's going to do in developing in the league. He's going to be on a two-way, and he's going to have to figure out how his career goes from here. He's always gotten that preferential treatment. He's always gotten sort of the the keys to the team. He's been the guy. Even at Memphis, Penny tried to give him the keys fully, and that didn't work out. At Eastern Michigan, of course he got the keys, and he scored 19 points per game. Now he's going to be on a two-way with a team that, may prioritize development a little bit but he's not going to be at the top of their list he's going to have to develop defensively and he's going to have to get better at finishing at the rim if he wants any chance to stick on an nba roster now i think he could still have a good pro career regardless of you know if it doesn't work out in the nba but but he's a guy you take a shot on him at 49 similar to what we'll talk about in a second with the with the uh grizzlies with Gigi jackson at 45 but Amani it's about the mental makeup and what he's going the hurdles he's going to have to get over mentally more than the physical aspect of the game in my opinion
2: absolutely i'm rooting for the kid i'm glad that he got drafted you know it's his his fall from grace if you will was you know Not easy to watch, No, so I'm glad he was able to get drafted. I think Cleveland's a good situation for him. He's not going to have to be one of the guys. He's not going to have a ton of pressure on him, but you you absolutely nailed it. If he doesn't become anything on the defensive end, if he doesn't develop some playmaking, and to be quite honest, he has to put on some good weight. If he doesn't do that, there's no way he's going to be able to develop in the NBA. It's just not. Right now, he's a chucker. That's what he is. And it's not necessarily a high-percentage chucker. He's kind of a chucker. Yes. So he's got to – He's a a shot taker, not a shot maker. He's got to get a move other than a
0: three. Right now he's really just got a three, and that's kind of it. Yeah. But, again, it's the mentality. And, like, you can learn and grow, you know? Absolutely. You can learn and grow and understand your place in the world by getting knocked down. And I think, Amani, there is that thought that that could happen. But you have to see that. You have to see that. He's got knocked down a fair amount. He's on a two-way now. Where you thought he would be a potential number one overall pick, it's just it's the M- the mentality part of this whole thing has to click before we talk about him being on an active roster. Anywhere. Right.
2: I, I think last season was a step in the right direction direction for him for sure.
0: But in the NBA, you can't out talent people. Yep. You have to put in the work. So hopefully he does that. Yep. And then uh, last thing, Michigan, Jed Howard. What the hell was that, man? The Magic had a chance. It was right there. The Magic had a chance to uh, – Grady Dick. Why, I don't, you, why not I'm Grady not Dick? I'm not quite sure what, what, what they were doing. What, Jet Howard got overdrafted. Because um, Anthony they, Black was great. What a pick. And, pick. Well, Anthony Black's fine. I, he's got to develop a three-point ball, and they have, like, this log jam of ball-handling guards. Well, they're gonna, Je- they'll are move I guess Cole. they'll move yeah. Cole and maybe Jalen Suggs or one of the two. Like, but yeah, they, one of the two. I, but, okay, Anthony Black and Jet Howard. Jet Howard was just sort of the miss there for me. I, I didn't understand that. I agree. There was a better version of Jed Howard and Grady Dick that got drafted two two spaces down. But uh, ultimately, it is kind of interesting to think about Michigan last year going eighteen and sixteen, missing the tournament when you had Jed Howard and Kobe Bufkin go eleventh and fifteenth. And that's the first time Michigan has had top multiple top fifteen picks in a draft since nineteen ninety four with Jawan Howard and Jalen Rose, and they were still bad. I mean that's a that's a. <laughs> It's a little bit of an alarm press, right, for Jawan Howard and his coaching chops. Yeah,
2: you know, it's just I, I just I don't understand the pick by the Magic. I really don't. No. I'm I'm really excited to see what their young core can turn into. I think that they're like really one really good player away from making some Paolo, noise.
0: Paolo is the type of guy that just
2: yeah. Paolo and Franz are your guys. Moves you forward. Those two guys got you for a minute here. And they have a ton of young, interesting guys around and Markel Fultz has turned into something in the NBA. I'm I'm really glad I've always been rooting for him. If you're gonna take a shooter, why not take the best shooter? Yep. Like, like Jet Howard is a shooter in theory, but when you look at the numbers compared to Grady Dick, it's just not the same. So it it was a uh, it was a surprising pick because I just thought if you if you walked out of that with Anthony Black and Grady Dick, that's a huge win of a draft.
0: Anthony and Black that's what was and being is that that, to be honest know. Anthony Black and Grady Dick was what was being mocked by most people yeah. cuz it is, just made now, too much sense. Is
2: Jet Howard going to be a bad player? I have no idea. He could very well turn out to be a good I player. Think he's got I just more, think
0: it's, I think he's got more bust potential than a guy like Grady Dick. Yes, that's that's the that's point. The issue. I think Grady
2: Dick is more of a sure thing because at the end of the day he's still going to be able to stand there and shoot. Mhm. Jed Howard just hasn't proven that he can shoot at a high volume. He he hit a couple threes, but, you know, it was still like 36%. So, it's just go with the 40% guy. (laughs) It's pretty simple to me.
0: Yeah, so there is that. Now, the Grizzlies did do a little bit, although it was not as active of a draft night as we've had here in the past with Zach Kleiman, Um, but they did pick at number 45, and they did pick at number 56. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the post-draft presser that Zach Kleiman— Had last night a bunch of interesting things on John Morant and a little bit on the Marcus Smart move as well. So we'll be right back on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN.
1: Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
0: Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. NBA draft last night, it was different for the Grizzlies. It's different. They're used to trading up and finding young pieces and focusing on internal development. Um, But they had two picks. Because of the Marcus Smart trade, they traded away number 25. So they had number 45 and number 56, and they picked in those slots. Didn't have any movement. Um, At 56, let's start there because there's not much to talk about. Tarek. By Berovich, 22 years old, 6'7 wing from Finner Bache, I guess is how you pronounce that. Uh, that's the that's the team he's on in Turkey. I can't look at this. any. It's the draft and stash thought, right? But I go look at his stats. He's 22 years old. The most he's ever uh, averaged over there is like four points a game. Like it just feels like that was sort of like a waste of a pick. I, I don't know what type of politics are going on behind the scenes there. Uh, but I I am of the belief, Connor, that I I don't think tar- Tarek's ever going to make it over over here.
2: I, I think uh, you know that's a fair bet to make. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a fair bet be, uh, bet to make for sure.
0: And then it's strange because they did sign Timmy Allen today, and Timmy Allen, uh, forward, five year forward there at Texas, solid player, ten points per game, rebounds relatively well. Um, it's just strange to see they pick this guy at fifty six and then sign Timmy Allen. Like you could, I guess, you could have just picked Timmy Allen at fifty six. But yeah, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I I don't even view this as a draft and stash situation. Again, don't think he'll come over here from a talent perspective. Not that great. I guess he has a three point ball that they like, but it just feels like a waste of a pick. Now, number 45 doesn't feel like a, a waste of a pick. Number 45, Grizzlies go grab Gigi Jackson. He was the number one recruit in 2023, reclassified to the 2022 class, went to South Carolina. He's the youngest draft prospect. And what's interesting about him, I had to go check on this uh, multiple times because it was put out there, and I I just couldn't just trust people at their word. He's two months younger than Bronny James. He is two months younger than Bronny James, 18 years old. Um, Now, with him, there is some character issues. Like, there is some thought of problems with the staff, with players at South Carolina in his one year. Um, he tweeted about his coach in bad in a bad manner. There was problems on the sideline. There was a lot of talk back. But he was the leading scorer at South Carolina as a 17 year old, and he does have some ISO ability. Um, but hearing Zach Kleiman talk about Gigi Jackson after the pick was made and his presser, it sort of felt like Gigi Jackson through the pre-draft process had turned them into believers that he is a changed person after his one year at South Carolina. And it was interesting. This was a sound going around. He had a a, a draft party in South Carolina. He, he actually had a, a jacket on his draft night jacket, had all the players that have been drafted that are in the NBA from the state of South Carolina. So John Morant was one of the names inside of his jacket. Um, But this was Gigi Jackson last night before the draft even started um trying to tell people he has changed uh i want to apologize again
1: i I don't know how much i can stress that for you know how at times i looked and uh how at times i acted towards the coaches and even my teammates and i want people to know that is not
0: me that was that's big-headed Gigi. i'm little headed Gigi right now and uh thank you for your support
1: and everything and uh don't stop supporting me no matter what pick it is because you know i'm bringing south carolina on my back no matter where i go
0: and that's sort of what I talked about with Imani uh, Bates. There has to be a transition in thinking, right? You come in, and you're the pref- pref- preferred person. You're number one in the pecking order, and now you're going to be a two-way guy. You have to change. Hearing Gigi Jackson say, well, I was big-headed. Now I'm little-headed. I've-, I've gotten humbled. You have to get humbled through this process if you're really, if you Gigi Jackson or Imani Bates and you want to get to where you want to go. But this pick, I don't mind it. I, I, I enjoy it. Ta- sure, take that swing. Use a two-way on him. Uh, obviously, don't you know? Don't think that he's going to be any part of the. He's going to be part of the fold until he turns twenty. Like, think about two years from now, three years from now, we'll see what he is. Um, so, obviously, still go find someone this offseason in the free agent market. But Connor, I, I with second round picks, we talked with Derek Murray yesterday, and obviously, uh, Cerebro Sports player database, NBA draft, uh, you know, NBA draft guru in a lot of ways. And I was asking about, you know, how teams think and how they should go about second round picks. He says, you either take that really high floor guy with a low ceiling, or you take the highest ceiling guy you can find. This is what the Grizzlies did here. You find the high ceiling guy. Um, and if it doesn't work out relatively low risk at number 45 and a, and a high reward.
2: Yeah. You know, I do. I like this pick a lot. Um, When I got out of the movie last night and I looked this kid up, because I'm not going to pretend like I knew who this guy was, really. You know, I knew of G.G. Jackson. I knew about his story, reclassifying and all that stuff. But I didn't know his game. I wasn't familiar with his game, as as Shaquille O'Neal would say. Right. And when I looked at it, this is a really young dude who has a strong frame. He's really athletic. He can get to his shot. He can finish with both hands. He's got a lot of potential. His shot selection is a little spotty. 6'9",
0: 230 shot taker. But yeah. he can create those he shots. He can
2: create those shots. 6'11", wingspan. You know how the Grizzlies like a wingspan? Yeah, <laughs> You know, that looks good. So I am excited to see what he could potentially turn into. The Hustle is going to be a perfect spot for him next season, help him develop there, getting this kid in the system. You never know. If he hits, that's a big win for the Grizzlies. If Huge he doesn't, all right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It's, move it, on. It's, it's no harm, no foul, but I do think he has potential to be something in the NBA.
0: Um... I got to say, though, this pick, <laughs> and I guess you could say the past two days have, I mean, are, are like this, the Marcus Smart move and then the G.G. Jackson pick. I feel a substantial turn in the way of thinking from the front office and Zach Kleiman in particular, right? Like, this that was not a – it was not a – It was not a move for next That season. was not a Zach Kleiman pick, right? Like, usually you try to find – I mean, he's had – the Zaire Williams was sort of the the – shot he took at number 10 but other than that you see a lot of like older guys that can play ball like this is this is a turn to like as young as you can get and as high of a ceiling as you can get like it's it's a change and the Marcus smart trade is not necessarily a climb and move where you think like in in theory you overpaid i again i disagree with that thought process because they still own their picks and they still have flexibility this off season to go find somebody else with a mid-level exception sign and trade the whole nine yards um but I feel like Zach Kleiman is, is changing his thinking. And I, I guess the focus for me feels like more on winning now and being aggressive. The Marcus Smart move does not fit the past playbook. Theoretical overpay. And Gigi Jackson is seemingly anti-Kleiman. You could say Zaire's a similar swing, but Zaire had no attitude issues, right? Like, that's the thing. We always talk about the culture that has been tried to, they, they've been trying to create, and you don't want anything to come in to sort of screw with that culture. Zach Kleinman's picked sort of those high-character guys, and Gigi is a little bit different in that regard. You, you don't know quite you know, mentally where he's going to be at and how he's going to act when he gets here. Um, but it could be a special circumstance where they feel like Gigi has grown up that fast. He's yeah. grown up that fast in his one year at South Carolina. But in comparison to a year ago, this is where I want to go with this. I respect the action because there's less focus on internal development and more on who is out there that can make you better. Um this offseason is shaping up to be Marcus Smart another vet free agent or a sign and trade situation and one massive developmental swing as opposed to last year where people wanted them to go into that championship contention window where they didn't sign a free agent they traded Melton let Kay, uh, let Kyle Anderson walk and they drafted four rookies like that's it, this offseason is completely different than what it was a year ago and and I respect that because it wasn't you know, last year was not necessarily the bat signal for, you know, the thought process be- behind our focus is to win a championship. That's not what last year signaled to to anybody in this fan base, to anybody in the media. Like the off season was very much, we're going to continue to develop mm-hmm. uh, internally and see what we can do. And all this said, like I'm not, <sighs> I'm not saying they're going to win a championship this year or next year, and everything's going to work out perfect. That's a rarity, but. I, I, I like the thought of keep maneuvering as you see fit, go with that trial and error, and, and that's how you have to move if you're taking yourself seriously as a franchise.
2: Right. Um real okay. Where am I start there? Okay. So <laughs> the the point about Gigi, I don't disagree with it, but I'm also really hesitant to talk about a guy's mindset when he was like 17 years old, and the number one prospect. I, and I'm and with you, stuff.
0: and I, that's why and I that's said it, why could special, growth, it could be a special. It could be a special circumstance that's why, where they really heard the right things from GG right, through the pre draft right. process, and, and that's
2: why I actually think he's more of a climbing pick than it appears on the surface because it's high value at a spot that doesn't really cost you anything if it doesn't work out, and right. that was kind of their mo early in the climbing years, like getting Brandon Clark where they got him, getting Desmond Bain where they got him. They were able to identify these guys who may may have had one or two things that made them drop a little bit from other people, but they said if that thing works out, they're going to be a win. And that's why I do like this pick for Gigi. But I do agree with you. The mindset of this team has gone from – We are, you know, he said it, he said it. Yeah. We don't want to triple down on youth, and they certainly aren't doing that here. They traded two picks, they traded Tyus, they only made, you know, one real pick in this draft because they think that this team can win an NBA championship now, and and I'm not sure they can't. You know, looking at the roster, yeah, they might need some help on the wing, but I also think that they're looking at it as – An injury or two that happens in the playoffs from another team, the Grizzlies are right there. They would have been there last year, you know what I mean? We've talked about how it feels like the championship window is really just now cracked open for this team. I know that they've been very good for the last few seasons, but they've always been a little bit too immature. They had a few things they needed to work on. But I think that they're reaching a point where having a guy like Marcus Smart come in, then you're going to have the, the continued development of not only your big three guys, but also, who knows, Santi might make a jump. Luke Kennard's still there. You're going to get a healthy... Have, uh, the, Steven the, Adams the, back. Whether it's it Zaire, like Larabia, Roddy... It sounds like BC might be yeah. in the cards for this season. You've got guys there. You know who your first eight-ish are going to be in a playoff series? That's not a bad place to start. Can you upgrade one of those eight guys? Sure, you could still make a move. They still got the MLE. You might not use the full thing because you're going to get really close to that apron when you have to extend Desmond Bain. Although I it understand.
0: sounds like they're not, uh, they're not, uh, they're willing to spend money. Sure, they're willing to write those sure. checks. I'm just saying though,
2: based on the comments from Kleiman, I think that they're okay if this is what they have for now. Yeah. Maybe at the deadline they can make some more things happen. But we've talked about it. The Raptors are too weird to work with right now, and the Nets seem like they might want a little bit too much for those two guys, a price that they may not be willing to pay right now. At the deadline, maybe. They might want to pay that price, and they could upgrade that position. But if you're walking into the season with this roster right now, that's a very good NBA team. Yeah, it's a very I good agree. team that is a move away, Especially a development once, away once from being back something from special. Especially, yeah, all this is yeah. with the thought that Jaws going to come back the same as he's always been. So I like the GG pick. I like the mindset that this team has. Yeah, yes, it's different. It's not a perfect team by any means, but it's a very good team. And I'm okay with rolling into the season with that.
0: Like, I don't think, like, last year the conversation after the draft and after the offseason was, this team's not, I mean, they, this is not, they're not we signaling they to us. Yeah. They're not signaling to us that they're ready to go win a championship because theoretically Roddy or LaRavia, one of those guys, was going to have to be into the rotation. Uh, if you wanted to get to the peak of your powers. And that just didn't really come to fruition. And Zaire had to take a step, and that didn't come to fruition. It didn't signal to you that they were really trying to swing. This offseason, I'm not saying they're swinging fully for the fences and then they've hit a home run, but it's a a transition away from that line of thinking, of taking on four rookies and trying to develop them year one to put you in a playoff contention situation. Put you in the playoffs and... Try to see what they can do in the playoffs. It's it's just a change of mindset, and that's a, I think that's a good thing ultimately. Right. Doesn't mean it all it'll all work out, but you it's want like, you like want to said. see you want to see a front office take their franchise seriously as a championship contender, and I think they're starting to do that. There's right. there's a there's a there's a switch now. Kleiman and his presser, um, looks like Gigi Jackson will be part of the summer league, um, which Great. will be in Salt Lake City. That's the, that's the start of it. Um, but David Roddy, Jake Laravia, Vince Williams, Kenneth Lofton Jr., Jacob Gilliard, G.G. Jackson. One name that wasn't mentioned that I found very strange: Zaire Williams. What, I mean, what's the? What, I mean, I guess there's the thought process behind trying not to hurt his pride, not trying not to hurt his confidence by having him there for a third straight year. But he probably needs that work. You would think. You would think. But I I found it strange that he didn't mention that. That team's gonna cook though. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Gonna Kenneth Lofton so, Jr. is going to have 35 so good, points a game.
2: That's gonna be, that team's going to be fun. That <laughs> team's going
0: to be fun. And then uh, uh, when he spoke on Ja, it, Kleiman got to the point, I, I, I have to say, candid. Quote, we are certainly disappointed with the behavior that transpired as we got into the offseason. Then he went on to say that he, uh, he thought the discipline, ultimately 25 games, was appropriate from the NBA. Um, then he added... What we've all been saying this whole time. At this point, it doesn't matter until he, talking about Ja, follows through on it. I couldn't care less about words. He has every opportunity to come back from this. It's on Ja. Ball's in Jaw's court. Zach Kleiman wasn't, like, trying to hold back his feelings. There's a lot of disappointment from the franchise in Ja and, and how he has conducted himself. And finally, that's out on the forefront. I
2: respected it. I yep. respected his comments. I also agree with his comments, you know. Also shout out to him for getting couldn't care less correct. Yes. And not saying could care, could less. care less. Thank yeah. you, Zach Kleiman.
0: Yes. Well he's anyway, Duke. He's a lawyer. Yeah, he's a pretty smart yeah, guy. Yeah, he's, he's pretty smart. I, I wouldn't expect him to be the could care less guy. That nah, happens all the time. Yeah, <laughs> for professional does. speakers. <laughs> right. So
2: um no, it was it was I think the comments that he had to say. Yep. This is on John now. It is. It's just there's nothing. You know he has to make the decision to move differently, and I do yep. think he will.
0: Yep. Um, no choice, man.
1: There's you no have choice. no choice at this yeah. point.
0: Yeah. Go make it happen, uh, and then finally on the open roster spot, mm. they have one spot. Um, he said he doesn't expect anything too groundbreaking with that final roster spot. Uh, he says he likes the current roster the team has put together. If they go into the season as is, he's fine with it. But they do have that extra roster spot and a mid-level exception, and there's a little bit of flexibility there. And what the story of this morning has been is on uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, this is what what he had to say, obviously ESPN, NBA Insider. I will say I would just keep an eye on the Grizzlies. They don't have cap room, I don't think, but I would keep an eye on
2: them as a sign-and-trade destination if there's anybody in the free agency market that they end up liking. They have a lot of little contracts, not little, mid-sized contracts they can aggregate attached to good players.
0: I would just keep an eye on that. Um. Okay, I mean, like I, I uh, the Harrison Barnes mid-level exception idea is out there, but I don't know if they want to pay the full thing. They could really sort of half that and do the the Nuggets approach to last year, where they got Bruce Brown for under seven million per year on a two two-year contract with a player option year two. You could just sort of find some guys in the cracks, but there could be some interesting sign and trade thoughts out there for sure, for yeah. sure.
2: Especially if you can get Dylan on board,
0: like the Jeremy Grant thought has been there. Um, I don't like although Jeremy that's Grant. a big a big ass contract <laughs> I don't um, like Jeremy Grant <laughs> I like Jeremy Grant um, I don't know man I think,
2: I think I, he's been bouncing around a lot well
0: but here's the thought like some of these guys that that you could go get on a side like the Jeremy Grants of the world and like the Kyle Kuzmas of the world don't you get the idea they have a higher thought of who they are than what they would be on the, on the Grizzlies roster they have yeah. a higher thought of who that is. Yeah, hell they are. I think
2: that like the Kuzma boat sailed as soon as he yeah. was like Thirty million, 30 it like, It's like holy peace. hell. Yeah, okay. I'll see you in Washington next yeah. year, dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I guess you could keep an eye on it. But that would sort of go against what uh what Kleiman so, said. A, a sign and trade would definitely be the opposite of sort of talking about uh not expecting anything too groundbreaking, that'd be pretty groundbreaking. Right.
2: I, I want, I'm want. i curious if maybe they're waiting to see who's just going to be out there after all the dust settles from free agency and all these trades that might go down or may not go down. If you listen to the full context of what, he, what Zach Lowe was saying, he was kind of was, talking about his opinion of the suggestive. Grizzlies. It, was, it like, was very suggestive, and I know that Zach Lowe in the past has done, though, keep an eye on it, and then it happens, so it's kind of how he speaks, but... He was specifically talking about how he still thinks that the Grizzlies need some shooting, and that's how he got to the it, conversation about a sign and trade. So, to it was, me, it felt like an NBA expert, which Zach Lowe is, saying... There is still a move to be made if they want to. I just don't expect one necessarily because of what he said. I could see them still making a move. There's still a spot there. The money's still there. They can make it work. I just don't know if Zach Lowe is telling us that he knows something.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was less I've heard from people within the organization that they're going to look at a sign and and trade and more, hey, this is a possibility. Exactly. That's more of like, but I guess the fact that it's a possibility and it's out there, I mean... Who knows? Maybe that could be the piece that puts them over the top. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I would. I would imagine that you probably go find a vet. Um, I would at be the surprised. Three, a bigger dumb. guy. Yeah. Um, and and probably a little less than the full mid-level exception. It's just not going to be guess. a. It's
2: not going to be a sexy thing. It's going to be somebody that's going to help the team, but it's not going to. be You would like, define
0: Harrison Barnes as like a a a, a, be a sexy signing, That'd right? Be a big get. Harrison yeah. Barnes
2: would be very good on this team. Too. Yes, very, but
0: very good. I I I think that's. I think that's – I don't know if that's in the books. I don't
2: right. know if that's going
0: to happen. But, hey, ultimately. but we'll see. Maybe they pull it off. Maybe they <laughs> pull it off. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Now, um, we have Jeff Calkins scheduled to join the show. We'll do that after these messages right here on 92.9 FM ESPN.
1: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.